This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Uh, Good to be here with you. This is the conclusion of our series, Jesus is Alive, part four. Uh, So go back, listen to um, the other uh, sermons and messages on this. Um, I really believe this is something that just really is a foundation of our faith, an absolute total foundation of our faith, and um, got to teach on it a bit. So today, uh, we're going to really just talk about what does this mean now that Jesus is alive, right? We just um, had Easter Sunday last Sunday. So now what does that mean for us? What's What do we do? What do we do now? And so... Um, how, how, how does this look? How does our life look as a result? And so let's, let's dive into this here. Um, if you want to turn in your Bibles um, to Acts chapter 4, I'm going to meet you there. I'll start, you, start in verse 1. Uh, let me pray first, and I uh, hope you enjoyed worship. And, and let's, let's do this this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we pray you speak to all of us. You give us revelation and insight into who you are. And we pray that we're all empowered, just genuinely empowered by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the word of God, grace to do what we're each individually and, and collectively called to do as, as Christ followers. So I pray your blessing on this word, and I pray that we walk away refreshed, encouraged, and enlightened by the word, by the God-breathed word today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Um, we're going to hang out in Acts today, obviously, for practical reasons, is this is what the church did, the Acts of the Apostles. Some, some um, theologians like to call it actually the Acts of the Holy Spirit, um, but the act, they, they, they mobilized, all right? The church mobilized um, after Jesus rose from the dead. Not immediately, as we learned last week, they were all messed up. Uh, but when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, everything changed, okay? Um, so we're going to look at Acts. Why? Because this is what they did. This is how their life looked, how their preaching was, what what what, what really went on here. And so um, here we go. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read verse 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. Here it is. Uh, now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Verse two, being greatly disturbed or annoyed, vexed, frustrated that they had taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Somebody say Jesus is alive. Okay, let's read verse two again quickly. The the religious community, the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, Sadducees in their theology did not believe in the resurrection at all. They were kind of like this um, this kind of religious aristocracy, if you will. They, uh, they were kind of rubbing elbows with the Roman Empire. They were kind of the religious elite. They were, they were wealthy. And so they kind of had this kind of political, social, religious power. And, they, and then here come these, this kind of ragtag group of people 
preaching the resurrection of Jesus and that they would be resurrected as well. So it's kind of rubbing specifically the Sadducees the wrong way. Okay, so verse two again, being greatly disturbed, disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus, or uh, one version says through Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. So they taught and they preached and the religious leaders and rulers were greatly disturbed, annoyed, vexed, and frustrated. Verse three, and they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Verse four, however, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Okay, praise the Lord. Here it is, my first point. What do we do? Jesus is alive. And I know this is basic, but this is what the Bible says, okay? So what is it? What's the point? Teach and preach the resurrection. I love in this verse how it says both because teaching and preaching do two different things and they're, they're two different things, okay? So teaching, it's interesting that they were disturbed that they were teaching, okay? Why? Because that, that religious spirit, if you will, that religious community um, was bothered that they were teaching them about the resurrection of the dead, teaching and preaching both. So I just want to kind of clarify the two and that we as a church, we as believers are called to do both and we want to celebrate both. There's not one without the other. We want to teach the word and, and, and go line upon line and teach the foundations of our faith and all that and really teach, but we also want to preach, okay? We don't want to just, you know, I think some people kind of, they have a higher tolerance for teaching and they're like, man, preaching, you know, kind of makes them nervous, I don't know. And then you got people that just love preaching. They love the declaration of the, but then when people start to teach and break things down, they're kind of, you know, it's just not their thing, quote unquote. But here it is, as believers, we want to be people that receive from preaching and receive from teaching. It's not one or the other. Sometimes the more intellectual folks, um, you know, they kind of lean towards teaching and that's great. Nothing wrong with teaching, but let's not, let's not celebrate and give ourselves to teaching at the expense of preaching. And let's not be just super excited about preaching and, and not about teaching because the Bible says here that they taught the people and preached. They taught the people, they taught them, they taught them, they broke it down. They taught them and they preached. The religious people were disturbed at both, okay? And the Holy Spirit was excited because of both, all right? So here it is. What does this mean? Teach and preach, two different things. Teach and preach. When it comes to the resurrection, we gotta do both. I think this month, I kinda really taught it uh, more than anything um, because I, I believe it's just important to just not only preach the resurrection, but teach it. So here it is. What does this word teach mean? It's, so, it's the Greek word didasko. It's where you get the word didactic, okay? Or that's where you get the word doctrine. So, so many times in the Bible, if you see the word doctrine, it's really the Greek word didasko. If you see the word teach, it's the Greek word didasko, didactic, to break down the scripture. So teach, teach, very important, okay? To be taught the word. This is, this is so important. Uh, this Greek word didasko, some form of it, 220 times in the New Testament. So, so teaching is important to God. It is important to uh, our faith. It is important to our own development. It is important to the gospel. It is important to Christian community that people are actually 
being taught the word. Okay, so what does it mean? So what, how is teaching unique from preaching? Well, here we go. Uh, didasco, it means to cause to learn. The whole purpose is to teach, is, to, is that people learn. It's not that they're emotionally stirred. It's not that they just get excited. It's not that they just go, man, that was a great word, Pastor Sean. Some of the young adults in our community are like, they're, they're kind of getting the hint that when they come up to me after service, they say, that was a good word. They don't always say it is, but when they do, I'll, you know, it's kind of getting around that. I'll ask, well, what was good about it, right? Why? Because I want to make sure you're learning. So if you're just like, man, a good word, Pastor Sean. Oh, what was good about it? Mm, it was so good. Oh, good word. Oh, anointed, right? And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, what, what did you actually get out of it? Do you remember anything? And they're like, oh, you know. So it's like, um, so it, just this uh, past Sunday, I think Easter Sunday, somebody's like, now nah, it was a great word that really spoke to me. One of the young adults in our community. And then another young adult said, well, what'd you get out of it? And I'm like, yeah, right? So why? Because I want to make sure to cause to learn. Okay, it means to instruct, to impart knowledge, um, and it nearly always refers to teaching the scripture. Teaching what? The written word of God, meaning going into this thing, teaching it, breaking it down, like breaking it down so people learn. We want people to learn. In, um, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter one, uh, Paul tells Timothy, uh, this is just some of my own personal Bible study time. I was, I'm reading this and I'm actually reading through Timothy right now um, on our Facebook and Instagram prayer and devos. We do three days a week. Um, we're reading through it. And so uh, we're, we just finished Second uh, Timothy chapter one. So in Second Timothy chapter one, Paul tells Timothy, you know, to follow um, the pattern of sound words I've given you. Pattern. This is what teaching is all about. That you a pattern. That there's a model. It's like a blueprint. So Paul's like, man, I might not see you again, Timothy, as a person. He he was looking to potentially and maybe even perceiving, sensing that he was gonna go be with the Lord soon. And so he's like, man, Timothy, um, it's not about me, the person. It's about you following the pattern. And so the Bible, the structure, the doctrine, the teaching, like I want to, I, I desire as a pastor to teach in such a way that I'm handing a pattern to somebody, um, like a blueprint, an outline that they could take home and live it out, that they don't need to have a codependency on a spiritual personality, on a person, right? We are interdependent as believers and in Christian community. But the purpose of teaching is to impart knowledge, to transfer something, to give a pattern, follow the pattern so you can walk this thing out between you and God in, in your daily life. So teaching, folks, teaching is to cause to learn to cause to learn, okay? To teach, to instruct, to walk people through the scripture. So resurrection, this is what they were teaching. They were teaching that Jesus rose from the dead and they were teaching that because he rose from the dead, because he was raised for our justification, that means that when we physically die, we will too be resurrected. If he wasn't resurrected, we will not be resurrected. But because he was resurrected, we shall be resurrected. 
Hallelujah, okay? So what's preach? Preach is a little different. Preach means to, to announce. Jesus is alive. Doesn't mean to just break stuff down. It means to just declare, to, to literally, it means to announce, to declare, to uh, promulgate, to make known, to proclaim publicly, to publish, right? Different. One is, one is just get it out there. Jesus is alive. He rose again the third day. If you believe in Jesus, you shall rise again. Jesus is living. He is healing. He is speaking. Jesus is Lord, right? What am I doing? My teaching, maybe a little bit in there, but I'm just declaring. I am proclaiming. I am announcing. All right. It's both hands. Okay. Look at, look at, look at the person next to you and tell them, you got to love teaching and you got to love preaching, right? Both. God does something in both. Both. The spirit of God is breathing through both. We need both. We need both. We need teaching. We need preaching. We need declaring and we need didactic, the breakdown of scripture. We need both. Somebody say amen. Okay. So once again, my first point is what? Teach and preach the resurrection. All right. Let's teach and preach. Let's teach and preach. Let's not. And I know certain people maybe might be more gifted in one than the other. But isn't this interesting that there is a spiritual gift of preacher. Sorry, of teacher. It's a spiritual gift. Ephesians chapter um, chapter four, it says God has given some to be apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, which what we call, you know, fivefold ministry or kind of like they're like these spiritual offices in the scripture. They're, 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 they're offices, they're graces uh, by the spirit of God and they are there to equip the saints. They are, they are spiritual leadership gifts. But you notice preacher's not in there. Why? Because I believe every gift is called to preach. And some people say, well, you know, I'm more of a teacher. I like to teach the word. Yes, amen. But you, you need to be preaching too. Somebody say amen. Why? Because we're all called to preach. They went out everywhere preaching, right? When Jesus rose from the dead before he went to the Father, he said, go into all the world and what? What did he say? Preach the gospel. In Matthew chapter 28, it says, teaching them to observe all things, both. Somebody say, you gotta love preaching. And you got to love teaching. All right. All right. Hallelujah. Here's my next point. Number one, I'm going to say point number one again, teaching, preaching, the resurrection. Next one is we are witnesses of his resurrection. Okay. So we are called to proclaim and to teach our, use our mouth to proclaim the resurrection. Okay. So we are called to open our mouth. The word of God says, open your mouth. This is what the Lord says to us, right? Through the scripture, open your mouth, right? And I will fill it, okay? And, but we're also witnesses. And I understand they, they might go together, but let's look here, because in the book of Acts, proclaiming is one thing, teaching is one thing, that, that we actually open our mouth and share the good news of Jesus Christ, right? But there's also this other thing here about being a witness, okay? So let's go down, Acts chapter four still. And if you go through Acts four, it's a wild, wild story, the persecution, then they prayed and they were like, man. And then they looked in the Old Testament and, and they found a prophetic scripture that kind of prophesied about the moment they were in. They were they kind of reading the verse and found 
that, that man, that here we are guys and the prophet prophesied this and they were encouraged by the scriptures. They prayed and they said, God, give us boldness. And they were like, man, should we obey God or man? Well, we're gonna obey God. And so it was very kind of, it was intense, okay? So read Acts 4, okay? But here we go. Um, in verse 33, kind of further down in Acts 4, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection. Doesn't say anything about their words right here. Doesn't say anything about them using their mouths, okay? Um, but look, and with great power, okay? That's a Greek word dunamis, which is explosive power. It's demonstrative power. It's not necessarily positional authority type of power. It's actually the, the substance of God. Was, he was there and doing things, healing the sick, delivering people of devils, like the, and with great power, dunamis, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Okay, th this, is, this is the witness part. So, you know, he said, man, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be what? Witnesses, be witnesses, meaning me, my life is a witness. Not, not just my mouth, but my life. Not just my mouth, but me. And here it says, and with great power. Okay, now this is all over the book of Acts. This is a theme in Acts, a theme in Acts. We're talking early church, the first church. The, we're talking the early apostles, okay? That and, and, and local church community, there were two things that were actively happening in and through the church. There was power and their mouth was speaking, declaring and teaching the gospel, the scriptures. So it was both and, okay? It was both and. We don't just wanna teach and preach, but we want to experience and believe for God's literal power moving in and through the lives of people. Can I get an amen out there? So this is the resurrection. This is, this is the resurrection. The fruit of the resurrection is what? That we open our mouth and declare who Jesus is. We teach and preach the word. We teach and preach the resurrection and our life and the, our existence and in the rhythm of our life, the power of God is actively present and moving in our lives, all right? So the power of God was the evidence and proof of the resurrection, okay? And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection. How did they give witness to the resurrection? Power. How, how was, how were they able to maybe give evidence or proof to the resurrection? Power, God's power was moving. People were getting healed. The presence of God was tangible. People were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, cultural, socioeconomic, and ethnic boundaries were being crossed by because of the power of God. I mean, this the, the, the church was um, deeply moved in Jerusalem, but then if you carry on in Acts, they began to move geographically and laterally um, throughout the region. Why? Two things, they were proclaiming and teaching the resurrection and the power of God was literally moving. So here we go, here we go, it is both and, it is both and. We don't adequately represent Christ 
when our life and testimony is void of power. Why? Because that's what the church is and how she looks in the earth based on our scriptural foundation and reference. Come on, somebody. So um, we give evidence, or that's what that word witness means. It means evidence. It's really a term used in the court system of this day that a witness was one that gave proof, gave evidence, all right? And it was very clear as to the evidence. It wasn't obscure or ambiguous. Um, that's what witness is. And so it comes from the word martyr. And so the reason why we call, we use that word martyr for those that were killed is because when they gave witness, they were killed for it. So it's really, martyr is just a word that kind of evolved into meaning those that die for their faith, but it just really means those that give witness to the resurrection, okay? And so we give witness to the resurrection with both our mouths and his manifest presence and power. Tell people about Jesus, but pray that they experience his power. Um, talk about what God has done, but believe God that his power will move in the hearts and lives of people when they hear you talk. Uh, uh, teach the word, but also lay hands on people and believe that God will deliver them of demons and heal them of, of their sicknesses and diseases. Come on, somebody. Come on, I'm just talking about the Bible. I ain't talking about some denomination. I'm not talking about some religious group. I'm not talking about a church camp. I'm talking about the Bible here, folks. I'm talking about the scripture. This ain't about whatever, this ain't about Pentecostal, spirit-filled, full gospel, Baptist, charismatic, apostolic, prophetic. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no, I just read the book of Acts. Is two things happen. They use their mouth and they believed God that he would move and he did move in power. And they gave witness to the resurrection. How? Because the power of God was moving. So we give witness to the resurrection of both presentation and demonstration. We present the word and we allow God to demonstrate his power. Here's another one. We, we teach the word. It's the teaching of the word and the moving of the spirit. We teach the word and we yield to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Just this past Sunday on Easter Sunday, we um, were just in worship and, um, you know, you, you guys that are part of our online community, um, um, I just taught on just Mark chapter 16, right? I, I think we literally read the whole chapter and just, you know, we taught on the resurrection, but prior to that, just in our in-person gathering during worship and ministry time, um, I just uh, felt a word. It was not a part of the teaching, but it was just a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. I felt a word for a particular family that God was going to use them and touch them as the mother and father of that family and, and, that, and that even the little steps of faith they take in prayer in their own, the privacy of their own home, that 
that that's bringing a blessing on your children and God wants to move on your children, not only you as couples, but on your family, your relatives, and all of those that are biologically connected to you. God wants to bless your family. And this was just a prophetic kind of utterance, uh, just a moving of the spirit to speak and declare over somebody. I'm just, I'm just here to say, folks, that we, um, we are called to do both, teach and to preach, to teach and to, to, to present, uh, give the presentation of the scripture, but also yield to the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. All right? This ought to be a mark of our life. It ought to be in the rhythm, in the rhythm of our daily life. Hallelujah. We must not um, depend solely on our biblical knowledge. We need the power of God in the here and now to testify as to who Jesus is. Why do I say we need it? Because we're human and we need God's power and presence. Why do I say we need it? Because when you read the book of Acts, that's what actually was happening. Uh, why do I say we need it? Because Paul said, you know, not with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. What power is that? The power that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on now. Giving testimony to the resurrection is not that, is not that, hear me, hear me now. I'm talking about demonstration. I'm just, I, I am just differentiating here. But giving testimony to the resurrection is not just about um, that I know my Bible. Like, you know, it's not just that I know the scripture. Um, that's awesome. But it's also that I know him and that he can be known. He can be known in and through me in power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's look at this. Let's go back to Acts chapter three. Okay. We're in Acts four a little bit here, but let's go to back to Acts chapter three, verse 11. And I'm going to read to verse 16. We might kind of pause here and there as I go through this, but Acts 3, verse 11, it says this. This is, this is when, the, this is how um, the, the apostles, namely Peter and John, responded when the power of God was moving in a particular situation. Acts 3, 11. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Somebody say power. Verse 12, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel. Why do you marvel at this? Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk, all right? Um, power of God's moving, and they literally have to teach them now. The power of God's moving, and then they begin to teach them. Why? Because when the power of God was moving, you could tell that these people needed to be taught because they thought there was something great about Peter and John. They're like, no, 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 no. Let me, let me teach you now, okay? So, so here's my next point. Uh, because we want to believe that the power of God will move and save and heal and deliver and restore and do 
powerful things in the hearts and lives of people. But we also must teach, teach and preach what is happening. And so here's my next point. Let's continue to point people to Jesus. And that's what they did. Let's not get distracted by the demonstration or caught up in it as if it's the main thing. What did Peter and John do? They just, be, they, the power of God was moving. So they used it as a teaching point, as a teaching opportunity to lead them to Jesus, to just point them to Jesus. So let's look in verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate and when he, he was determined to let him go. But here's verse 14. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Verse 15, I mean, he's breaking it down here. Verse 15, and killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. How were they witnesses? Right now, in this verse, in the context of this verse, in, 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 in um, Acts chapter three, the context of this verse, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses, giving witness how they were demonstrating the power of God and they were teaching what was happening. Verse 16, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong. They are breaking down how and why this man got healed. Whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him it's talking about Jesus, has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. The manifest power of God is the dinner bell to the table of salvation, all right? I heard, I heard it said, uh, a quote said like this, uh, for years and years, I've just heard it, it's always kind of been in my heart, it is why, and you see this, that it is the power of God that does two things. It will cause persecution but it'll also bring people to salvation. When the power of God moves, um, the religious community um, will persecute. As we've seen in Jesus' life on the earth, in the gospels, and we see it in the book of Acts, the power of God always produces persecution and salvation. It always does both of those things, okay? Religious people say that the approach, the religious approach to to the gospel is look at what I know. And that's what the Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders of the early church and, and today, that's, that's it. Like, it's all about what I know. It's all about my Bible knowledge. It's all, you know, it's, 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 it's all, you know, the Bible says like knowledge puffs up, okay? But love edifies. But here it is, here's the difference. Authentic Christ followers say this. It's not about, look at what I know. This is what it's about for us. Let me introduce you to the person, Jesus, who is Lord and Savior of all. And how do we introduce people to Jesus, Lord and Savior of all, is through two ways. The words of our mouth and the demonstration of his spirit. Or I should say it this way. His words in our mouth and his spirit in our hearts and on our life, all right? Um, here we go. Let's move on. We're gonna go to a little later point in Acts now, all right? 
And this is, this is my last point, is this. The risen Christ is our hope, okay? It is our hope. And so let me just go through these quickly again. Teach and preach the resurrection, all right? Uh, we are witnesses of his resurrection. Let's continue to point people to Jesus. And last but not least, the risen Christ is our hope. It's amazing how when you, when you look at the resurrection in scripture, it's always correlated to hope. Why? Why hope? Because if Jesus has been raised from the dead, through faith in him, I shall be raised from the dead. I shall be resurrected on that day. I shall live with him for all eternity by grace through faith in his name. All right, so let's go a little later. Let's go a little later in Acts here. Acts chapter 23, verse six. Acts 23, verse six. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, which he was, the son of a Pharisee. So generational, religious institution. Concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am being judged, okay? So Paul was being persecuted simply, simply for proclaiming that Jesus rose from the dead and that we shall be raised with him again, all right? Concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead, I'm being judged, all right? Let's go to another one, Acts chapter 24. Acts chapter 24, verse 14 and 16. Here we go. I'm gonna read this quickly. Acts chapter 24, verse 14. But this I confess to you that according to the way, which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things that which are written in the law and in the prophets. What's Paul saying? Speaking of the religious people saying, man, y'all are a sect. And he's like, no, I'm a Pharisee. I came from that. I still believe the law and the prophets as the divinely inspired word of God. I've just come to a revelation of the true Messiah. So we're not a sect. He's just breaking it down. And it says, verse 15, I have hope in God, which they demonstrate also, which they themselves also accept. He's like, man, um, I've just come to know that Jesus is the resurrected Messiah, that there will be a resurrection of the dead. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead. Once again, the last point, folks, the risen Christ is our hope. His resurrection is hope of ours, that we will not rot in the grave. We will not suffer for eternity because of our sins. Because he was raised, we shall be raised. That there will be a resurrection of the dead. I have hope in God that there will be a resurrection of the dead. The prophets and the law prophesied of this, folks. And, and Paul's like, man, that's all. That's, I just believe it. Both of the just and the unjust. Verse 16 this being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. He's saying that because the resurrection's in view, I have eternity in view. Because eternity's in view, man, I strive to make sure my conscience is clean. Because I'm going to stand before God one day and I want to make sure I don't have any issues with God and I don't have any issues with man. I'm telling you right now, I believe with all my heart, if we preach the resurrection more, if we preach about eternity more, I think people would be more conscious of making sure, hey, man, I got to make sure my heart's right. Got to make sure my, my, my mind's right. Got to make sure my soul's right. Got to make sure my relationships are right. Uh, and he's saying, man, because I have hope 
that there will be a resurrection of the dead in my future. He's like, man, I will be raised. I will stand before God. He says, because of this, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. So when the resurrection is, is, is at the forefront of our minds, eternity remains in view. And when eternity is in view, we will make sure our conscience is clear and our hearts are pure. Something about this, the resurrection, that when it is at the forefront, when it's in our minds and in our approach toward even sharing our faith, it does something to us. It, it causes us, as it did Paul, to strive to make sure, man, my conscience is clear, that I'm good. I ain't got no issues with nobody. I've forgiven everybody. I, I'm good with God and I'm good with people, right? So the preaching of the resurrection helps us live right and stay right. Can I get an amen, somebody? So here we go, my last verse. I just wanna share this and then I'm gonna pray. But Philippians chapter three, verse 10. Here it is, that I might know him. And what? And what? The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death that I may somehow attain the resurrection of the dead. Come on now. This is the pathway to knowing Jesus is knowing him through the power of his resurrection and through the fellowship of his sufferings. It is both and folks, the risen Christ is our hope. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for everybody joining in today. I pray that you speak to them, minister to them, and I pray that the breath of God breathes into them today like never before. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I love you, church. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.